Hello, my name is Mark Chalmers. I'm president and CEO of Energy Fuels uh, based in the United States. And our company uh, is very unique in the fact that we are the critical or, or forming the critical mineral hub in the United States for uranium, vanadium, rare earths, and potentially medical isotopes. So uh, there, if you make an investment in energy fuels, you're investing in all things critical materials in the United States of America. The critical minerals hub of the USA. Not a bad accolade, not a bad accolade. Hey, I wanted to catch up with you. A um, bit of news out from, well, lots of news out from you at the moment, but um, I want to talk to you specifically about the rare earth component because our number one search term on our platform, rare earths, number one um, read articles, rare earths, number one viewed article uh, videos, rare earths. Uh, people are getting it. It's very topical. We're seeing companies in Australia like Arafura, Vital Metals, raising capital for their development projects um, and finding it relatively easy. Um, it, is it easy out there or, or, is, or is it just, you know, one take every day as it comes? Well, man, I, I think, you know, this downturn in equities over the last couple of months made it a little less easy. But I think what I'm seeing is this whole paradigm shift that people seem to be getting this dependency on um, various things that we have with Russia and China. And people are getting that we need to reduce carbon emissions and we need to uh, improve our ability to electrify, um, you know, the equipment that we have and the vehicles we have and the wind generators, whatever it is. So I think, you know, when you look at the, the sort of the fury of activity from governments around the world, uh, focusing on electrification, reducing carbon emissions, I think it's a great place to be in. You know, none of these things, you know, just fall in your lap and are easy. But I have never seen such a focus on, um, you know, basically deglobalizing the, 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 the world uh, on a number of these materials that we know are so critically important. But what's, what's, what's happening at the moment in terms of, you're right, you, you've got to move things forward. You've got this growth story in the shape of the rare earth component of your critical minerals hub. Um, with NEO on, on board, you're making some hirings um, as well. Um, you're clearly committed now. You're, you're committed financially. You're committed in the marketplace. And I'm just working at to what end? We've seen a lot of U.S. bills being signed at the moment for billions and hundreds of billions of dollars to kind of make this kind of green energy um, economy in the U.S. a reality. So how, how are you getting on with either conversations there or accessing capital there? You know, and as one of, the, uh, one of the proponents of the Section 232 way back when, are you front of the queue? Well, I think we're getting further up in the queue. Um, the initial fundings on the rare earth front with the government uh, pretty much were fundings that were, were organized before we even got into the rare earths, but we are uh, amping up our uh, a presence in DC again uh, on all the things that we're doing, rare earths and uranium. Uh, I, I, I find that, um, yeah, these, these, these new initiatives, a lot of them, you know, like the mansion bill are, are still people are trying to digest exactly what that means. But, but the, the, the bottom line is, you know, I think the average person in America and around the world gets it now. They get it. I think they had a hard time understanding it. But, but look at what we're doing. Our main focus is we need, on the rare earth front, we need to secure more monocyte. And uh, you're aware that, you know, we, we're, 
we're, we haven't quite closed yet, but we should close it in the month on this project in, in uh, Brazil, Bahia. Um, we still have our relationship with Kimors. We've got a relationship with Iperion X and others that I believe will come on board in due course. Um, so Monazite, and I think Monazite will really differentiate us from others because we've proven these other steps, the crack, the leach, the separations, uh, and moving towards large scale separations. You know, we, we, we have proven we can do all those steps. We haven't gotten to large scale uh, commercial separations, but I think we are, um, you know, in the next few years. So yeah, look, it's an exciting place. We, we hired a COO, PhD, uh, metallurgical engineers, name's John Urey, very well known uh, in particularly the, the Denver community. He's not a rare earth guy. He's not a um, uranium guy, but he's a very experienced process guy. So, so we're taking all the steps that we need for full integration at world scale. Right, but what's that mean, what's that mean in reality today? I'm trying to understand this timing. I'm trying to understand the, this, the scope of what's what's ahead of you. You're already producing mixed rare earths, right? Uh, so, uh, well, rarest carb carbonates specifically. Um, who's who's getting? What, why are you producing it? Is that going anywhere? Is that just between you yeah, and Neo? It's going to Neo right now, and um, you know, and it, it commercial scale, but but small commercial. So we're still trying to get more feed. Um, we're, we are going to start. Uh, we're actually in the process of designing a uh, crack and leach facility for the monazite separate from the mill because we have to share a lot of the infrastructure in the mill with the uranium plant. So we're the next step is to come up with a commercial scale crack and leach facility. And, and that would be in the order of about uh, first phase, 10,000 tons of REO, which to put into context with Linus with their current production is about 16,000, 17,000 tons of REO. So, so large scale, so large scale. So first step, get the monocyte, working on the crack and leach. We're doing the, the lab scale separations. We are doing some of the commercial separations uh, of the material that we ship to NEO. Uh, we're looking at maybe an intermediate step where we have uh, small commercial separations so we can be doing NDPR quicker than the large scale separation plant. So um, yeah, it, it, it takes time, but we are definitely making progress. When I look at where we were Matt, when we first talk about rare earth, say two years ago, and then I look at where we are today, um, I'm very pleased with the progress we're making. Yeah, so, sorry, I, I, I've got to try and work out what, what it is that you just said. So uh, Linus doing 16,000 ton of REO, you were talking about doing 10,000 ton of REO. So just a few, couple of questions on that. So in what time frame do you hope to be able to work your way up to 10,000? Well, it depends on how much monazite that we secure. Yeah. Okay. Um, but we're looking at the crack and leach in um, in the course of, of say twelve to twenty four months uh, to be able to do a carbonate, you know, up to ten thousand tons REO, which would be far more than Neo could could take. But it could be as an intermediate step to the final separations. It could be sold to Solvay in France. It could be sold to Chinese. It could be sold and in perhaps into Thailand or even Japan. So you know, it's. I understand where a number of people, it's, it's hard to get their head around how this is moving, but it is moving in a very purposeful way. And we, we, we can make money with it. Given enough monazite, we can be profitable 
on making carbon alone before separations. Right. And but 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 where I'm, where I'm coming at this from, Mark, is like Linus is a nine billion dollar Aussie company. That's about six and a half billion US uh, company, and I think I think the Canadian dollar, Australian dollar are, are one for one. So just trying to help people understand the, the size of the prize if if you get it right. Okay. Um, and how much money you'll need to spend to get there will be the, I guess, the questions that you'll be, a- you'll be answering over the next few months and years. Um, and the same in terms of, you know, the, the, the scoping of it, the economics of it. So th- that's the bit I'm trying to get to. At, at which point do we start to understand the, the money side of things and therefore potential growth of your, of your company just based on the rare earths? Look, I think in the, in the next few months, we can update the market with what we look and what we feel the economics are. Um, we have a very good handle um, on these steps, particularly crack and leach, and a, a much improved uh, uh, understanding of the cost of doing the separations. We, we've still been doing work with Carister and France and the experience we have on site. So look, I, I hope to unveil in the next couple months, uh, you know, the sort of the economic uh, pitch and picture of how we go forward. Um, I'm, I'm, I can tell you right now, Matt, it is it's very exciting and it's, it's competitive. We don't require subsidies. Now, if we do get a subsidy from the government, like a, you know, you know, some sort of a loan package or, or, you know, in, you know, infusion of, of money from the government, we will certainly look at it or consider it. But um, yeah, it, it's taken some time to get that information, but you know, we've, we've already processed um, um, getting close to a thousand tons of monazite, and that's a pretty good pilot plant. And um, so we know the recoveries, we know the reagent consumptions, we know the retention times, we know the final quality. Um, and then, you know, you, you, you move on to the separation steps. So, so yeah, it's, um, you know, I, I'm not an arm waiver, but, um, but you know, we, we, we are going through all those details right now as we speak, and, and we're extremely encouraged um, on where it would fit in in terms of the world global market. Okay, okay. You, last time we spoke, you told me that you had moved some uranium. I'm going to bounce some rarest to uranium. You've moved some uranium um, to one of the processors. So I can't re- quite remember where you moved it to. Uh, and it Convertine, like, yeah. Convertine, that's it. You did move to Convertine. And it was only after the event we kind of worked out why. Did, well, the, <laughs> the beauty of when you move it to, to, to Converdine is, you know, that's a conversions facility to convert to UF6. Uh-huh. Um, you know, and it's, it's, it's easy to transfer um, the material from Converdine. Now, a couple things, you know, we, we signed these contracts back in May uh, with three contracts with two utilities. Uh, now, the delivery doesn't start until next year, but also with the uranium reserve, there was the DOE put out the proposal asking for um, proposals to sell uranium to the DOE. That first time in like over 50 years. Okay, so this is a pretty significant step by the U.S. government. And one of the requirements that had to be at a conversion facility. Yeah. And so we had material at the conversion facility. The DOE is considering the proposals. And I know at least a few companies, U.S. companies, have submitted proposals to sell. They are expected to make their decision in about two months' time. It'll be this year. Um, and, and Bob's your uncle. We've got uranium at the conversion facility that can be um, basically transferred over to the DOE 
very quickly if we are successful in selling some of our product to the Department of Energy, but it would be this year. But that's the, that's the bit I'm getting, getting to. You're, you're quite understated. I know you don't do arm waving, you are understated, but no one realized that that would be part of the condition by the DOE. You, did you guys at the industry got a heads up on that one? Because we certainly did. Well, it's pretty common to have the, the, the converter holding inventory. Right. Um, you know, it's either sitting at your yard or it's, you know, it's at a conversion facility. So it's pretty common practice to have your 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 material at a at a conversion facility, you know. Um, so so yeah, um, but but it was a requirement for the the DOE proposal. Mm. It had to be at a conversion facility. So so you know we're you, you, you got to kind of be ready to go, right? And um, and the DOE wanted material U.S. origin material at a conversion facility could be transferred. Uh, quickly, you know, once they made the award. And so we were just ready for that. Um, so yeah, we'll see where that comes, but it would be nice to get, you know, a bit of an infusion of additional cash into the company. Uh, you know, you you know how hard we worked on this section 232. And uh, I didn't think it would take so long to at least to get them started. I hope it's not the end because, you know, this whole dependency on, you know, Russia, is right at the fore when it comes to the U.S. utilities, where about 20% of the U.S. utilities are uh, securing nuclear products from Russia. So the government gets that. And so it's all kind of a perfect storm on all these, you know, elements that, you know, that we're focused on. Okay, so, so no, no heads up, just careful, careful planning from you. That's, that's, that's what I'm hearing. I'm trying to work out you know, how, how the system works, as it were, because like with all of these new bills coming in, we've kind of got things like the Inflation Reduction Act, right? We've got the Climate and Energy Bill, uh, you know, the, numerous bills, numerous senators putting their names to uh, things which could be positive for uh, nuclear and therefore uranium. Um, and I'm just trying to wonder how much, how does the system work? You know, do you get a bit of a heads up and say, look, there's, there's, there's a chance over here, there's a chance over there. And I know you've been very careful to say, oh, we don't need any government funding. This stands on the same two feet, but it's always nice to have a bit, a yeah. bit of free cash on the balance sheet, right? Yeah. Yeah. And we're still, we're still trying to figure out what all these various bills mean. Um, but yeah, they are positive for um, clean energy, uh, nuclear power. Uh, and critical elements. I mean, they mention rare earths, they mention vanadium, um, you know, and, and, and again, you know, I think this is where these governments are waking up and saying, hey, you know, we, we, we've got to deglobalize, we've got to provide some additional incentives for companies to, to come back and onshore, you know, these capabilities. So, yeah, I mean, we're not going to turn down any support from the government, but um, at the same time, we're going to drive our bus and drive our bus because at least when we're driving our bus, we 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 know when we want to make a left turn or right turn or how fast we go. Um, but it is encouraging, and and it's it's quite interesting because uh, some of our board members are deeply rooted in the oil and gas business. And when we discussed it at a board level, a couple of them said, "Well, it doesn't look like there's anything in those bills for the oil and gas industry." So you know that's um, pretty difficult. Um, you know, for a lot of these oil and gas groups, but at the same time, you know, we focus on on what we're doing. Yeah. Okay. 
Well, look, let, let, let's see how that unravels over the next few few months, and uh, what, you know how how much is actually dished out uh, and who to. Um, look, a lot of um, sticking with uranium um, as well. Um, a lot of M and A, a lot of new entrants. It's like the, the history is repeating here. So M and A, we've seen this sort of love triangle between um, UEX, UEC, and, and Denison. Uh, fighting it out, nice competitive tension. I'm sure UEX shareholders are happy about that. Um, we've seen um, some of the development companies in Africa, you know, getting getting funding for their uh, projects, um, you know, put put in place. Um, we've seen lots of like, you know, young companies. I think at least I counted this morning on our energy show, at least six new Australian um, entrants into the into the mix. It's getting busy out there. It's getting frenetic out there. But what's not getting frenetic is um, on the trade side, it's still a little bit muted. Is that because there's not a lot of inventory to mop up? Or is that something else? What's your reading on the situation, having signed three agreements recently yourself? Yeah, look, it's definitely picking up. Um, you know, And it's just a cycle, isn't it? You know, When the price you're in goes up and the sentiment for investment in nuclear goes up, you know, here comes a lot of new companies, you know, you know, taking positions, acquiring projects, you know, M&A and all that. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, from a, a, a trading perspective, yeah, I, 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 I mean, Curtis is or does most of our, you know, sales and everything. He'd have a better feel for what's going on there. Uh, you know, it's, it's summertime. Summertime is usually a little sleepier than um, the rest of the year. Um, but, but yeah, I think the key thing is, I think the key thing is that, you know, when, if you go back a year ago, nobody was seeing long-term contracts signed and now you're seeing it, you know, you're seeing companies announcing that they have signed a long-term con- uh, contract, particularly with U.S. utilities, um, you know, the, the contracts that we signed. So, um, yeah, it's, it, it's, it's, the cycle is, is on an upswing and, uh, you know, I, I, I believe that. And, and the thing that's really interesting that I'm seeing that is making a big difference on what's going on now is this whole inflation, inflationary environment, uh, access to the people with the skills, uh, access to people that have facilities that are built. I think a lot of people that haven't built their facilities are looking at the new inflated costs and they're being pretty quiet. I, 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 I it's kind of amusing to me when I look at some of these press releases and people talk about a 43101 or something done three years ago or whatever. And, quoting the cost and, you know, operating costs and capital costs. And I think, well, what is it today? I can tell you it's not what it was three years ago. And, and even Cameco has been, you know, making noise about the, the inflation and people um, and incentive prices. You know, the incentive prices, a few years ago, people were talking, you know, north of 50, 55. Well, they're not talking about 50, 55 anymore. They're talking like north of 75 if not higher. So yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's just, again, interesting times, but I don't think nobody expected the Russia, um, Ukraine issue. Nobody expect to have inflation that was almost 10%. You know, nobody was thinking ahead that all of a sudden you turn around, there's no workers, you know, there's a lot of dynamics here, um, Matt, that I'm not sure where they all go, but it, it doesn't, that doesn't equate to lower costs on any front. No, that's true. No, we've we've had a lot of companies uh, come on here and 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 make the same sorts of claims, but the reality is they've just gone and blown their brains out when it comes to, um, you know, re- renewing 
those studies because we're seeing 40, 50, in one case, 60% increase in, in the capex. That, for a lot of companies, is uh, unsustainable. Um, but you layer on, so not, not, not only is inflation, just to be clear, is you know, not just the rising costs across the board for whichever aspect of um, operating your business, but also the cost of capital is not pretty at the moment. So for people building new facilities, for people perhaps thinking about building a plant, um, that goes out the window. So which we, we, brings us kind of nicely around to White, White Mesa. Again, I'm getting people co contacting me and telling me, and I think even uh, Sprott has just woken up to this, looking at a, some coverage you've got from them. Uh, White Mesa is the jewel in the crown. Not bad to get recognition. You've only been saying it to me for about four years. Yeah, well, it's interesting, but you know, I came back from Australia, I think it was six years ago. Everyone was saying that, you know, White Mesa, the conventional, you know, we're, we're all dogs and, and you should just reclaim them, do away with them. But it is, it's funny how that, that sentiment has changed. And, and I think, I think, but I think really when you look at it, you know, people are realizing the, um, uh, the enormous potential of White Mesa, um, particularly being able to handle uh, these, you know, natural uranium products that are a problem for everybody else. So, you know, we, we just kind of keep, you know, building on that story. And, um, you know, it's, I mean, it, it, it's so hard to get permits right now. You know, like you said, you look at people in Athabasca over 10 years to get a permit to do a project in, in Athabasca, maybe 15, um, even in the United States. So it's there, it's constructed, it's paid for, long history, um, really in a, a quite a favorable uh, cost of doing business jurisdiction, good workforce, you know, good good state to operate in, state of Utah. But yeah, no, it it continually emerges, doesn't it? Yeah. You know, the, 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 the narrative on White Mesa in the last five years, as it's turned around immensely from where people were thinking White Mesa fit in to the whole, um, you know, uranium business and the rare earth business, uh, you know, it, it just emerged very rapidly, hasn't it? It, it, it has. So, yeah, and apologies for bringing it up again, because I know, like I said, we've been talking about it for four years. We talk about it most 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 interviews, but it's um, you know, it's it's the it's the difference. It's the difference not because of what it processes. It's the difference between you're in control of your margins. You're in control of your capital costs because you're not having to um, try and build a facility like this yourself from scratch. Um, and you, I, again, we'll talk about something else we should talk about most times or occasionally over the years, which is toll milling agreements. You've kind of you got one in place with consolidated uranium because you've done that deal with uh, they've, they've made an acquisition from you. Um, has anything changed there? Is there anyone else that you've accepted onto the, your toll milling agreements list? No. Right. Okay. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, <laughs> but, but, but look, we're, we're never going to say never um, to, but yeah, we, nothing's changed. And um, so, you know, we, we need to separate the, this crack and leech from the mill. Uh, you know, that's going to take some time. We, we've got uh, quite a bit of uh, stockpiles that are out at the mill that need to be ran through. So yeah, nothing's changed, but you know, I'm not going to say never, and I don't talk in absolutes, but yeah, it's, 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 again, it's unique and it's, it's, it's there and it's staffed. It's, 
you know, we got 60, 70 people working there full time. Um, but yeah, we're, we're, we're in a very good position having that facility. Okay, just so, so just finish off on the uranium because I do want to I do want to finish with the with the uh, rare earth component, right? With you, I hear what you're saying with regards to you know people were two years ago talking about 55. It's not 55 anymore. Do you think the utilities there's a recognition? You signed three contracts recently. Um, is there a dawning realization from the utilities that they need to step up to the plate when it comes to the number? And have you got a idea of what you think they think that number is because we're coming we're coming into utility conference season we've got one here in september in london wna and then i think you guys are there's another one in october i think it's savannah last year i'm not quite sure where it is this year decisions need to get made don't they yeah no look at the utilities are are you know trying to you know build their books as well um you know i think that most contracts right now um are you know, well, they're, they're the north of $50 a pound. Um, that still doesn't make sense for a lot of people that um, that are starting new projects. Now, people that are already in the business and everything they have is paid for, uh, ready to go. Like in our case, we have um, inventories and we have alternate feed. Uh, we are planning to, um, you know, to start up a mine. Um, but, but yeah, the prices have got to keep going up. Um, you know, when, and, I, and I talk about, you know, I, I think generally speaking, you could say that, you know, I think the floors are probably in the order around 50, I would guess, um, with potential to flex up as prices go up. But, you know, it's, it's, um, it's changing, you know, I mean, the, you know, the spot price has been in that, you know, mid to high 40s, you know, long term is around 50. And, um, and if, if that's not high enough, to justify new production, well, what has to happen? Price has got to keep going up. So for us, I think that there is, that, look, if there's definitely realization that source um, uh, is important, okay? Sources from allies, sources of the United States, um, and diversification, uh, particularly from Russia, is important. But, but the price has still got to go up. And for us, you know, we're watching the market, obviously, on a you know daily basis. And as the price goes up, you know, we'll look at securing more contracts. But but there is definitely a dialogue going now, which didn't exist a year ago. And, you know, that is is, is refreshing. Um, and it needs to continue. Right. OK. Well, look, um, it, it, yeah, I, I, it definitely does need to continue. I, and I'm looking forward to September and October to kind of see what the the changes because I think there's an expectation this time last year that that it was the it was ripe you know the, the the time was right last year and you know we've had Russia since happened since then a very uh, fluid environment on, on that front um so yeah it would be interesting to see what happens before the end of, end of this year for uranium companies um obviously you've got vanadium in the background you've got we've talked medical isotopes in, in the past recycling in the past um you've got a stack of cash we've certainly got facility working capital facility in place and you've got um cash and securities on, at hand so you're okay for money right now um and i think people with money have options and People with money right now look quite smart um, with the, with the optionality it gives them. There's a few stranded assets. You've always maintained that you're you're good for uranium in terms of assets. You've got enough 
assets there. And I guess you also want to get make sure you remain focused on rare earth. So can you just confirm your use of capital is is, is set? Where you're not looking to be entrepreneurial in the current economic environment? Well, we're always entrepreneurial, but yeah, look, we're deploying we're we're, we're deploying capital to the uranium assets and to the rare earths. Um, if if you look at kind of looking out over the next couple of years, three years, um, I think the most capital intensive part of our business will be the rare earths. Uh, you know, having a lot of our mines, you know, constructed and uh, you know ready to go, they require capital. But I mean, to put it in the context, if if we kind of went full tilt on our uranium assets, uh, and it's not really a, so much capital as is just working capital. You know, we can do a lot of damage for forty or fifty million dollars. On the rare earth fronts, you know, it may be $100, 200000000 million or something of that order. So, um, no, we're, 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 in, we're in a good position here. Uh, you know, we hope to be, you know, generating some profits from these uranium sales. And, and we sold some vanadium at, a, at nice pricing. Um, you know, we're, we're, we've got a lot of trading stock. But, but the other thing we're doing that we're reinitiating is we've got a number of projects that we were permitting and, and, and these are things like Roca Honda that we kind of pulled our foot back off the accelerator. We're putting the foot back on the accelerator on some of our projects because, you know, it, it, it's a good time to advance permits on, you know, a number of the projects we have. Now, most of our projects are permitted, but we're, we're, we're starting up a new permitting initiative on a number of our assets that we backed off on over the last five years. Okay. But businesses are in business to make money, right? And public companies sometimes forget that. Right, so we we talked about uranium pricing and what your incentive price to incentivize you to you know commit capital, commit resources, etc. To that, and, you know, vanadium market is has been volatile. You know, it, it, it's kind of a little bit a bit erratic, and and you know, recycling projects are are, are nice. They, they 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 do good. They put you in good standing, but. The thing it seems to me that people are getting excited about with rare earths is one, the huge um, realization from governments around the world that they need to get their own independent critical minerals uh, nailed down themselves. So the U US talking that game for you is, is good, but it's also hugely, hugely profitable. The margins are good currently. Um, one, one suspects they will, will remain good if you can do an ex-China solution. So. Are you, are you are clearly cognizant of that? But how do you allocate resources going forward? And you know, are you a you talked at the beginning at the outset? You're a critical minerals company. You know, the vanadium, the rare earths, the uranium. It all good. But given the margins involved, and if I look, I looked to Linus. I mentioned you know it's a six and a half billion dollar U.S. Uh, company just focused on rare earths. What is Energy Fuels going to be going forward? Well, my goal is to make it a multi-billion-dollar company, and we want to chase the Linuses. We want to chase the MPs. Look, I think, and I've said this to you before, on the uranium front, we are U.S. significant. You know, we've been the largest producer of uranium in the United States, but on the world scale, we're not ever going to be uh, a Kazatomprom. We're not going to be a Cameco, um, and but we can be significant in the United States because we can fulfill a, a, a chunk of the US requirements um, as a uranium company. I believe we can be world scale on the rare earths um, because of the unique position we're in. Um, I think that 
you know, in, in, in addition, the margins, I believe, will be better on the rare earths. Um, and, and, and lastly, even though, you know, the, the politics of these elements have changed dramatically on uranium, um, you know, bi there's bipartisan support for rare earths. It, it, it's, 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 it's more, it's easier, I think, to get support on rare earths than it is on uranium. So, um, yeah, I mean, we're, we're going to be both, we're, we're, you know, I, I've been doing uranium, Matt, as you know, for over 40 years. Um, I mean, I've got uranium going through my veins, but I think our best margins are on in the rare earth area. And so, you know, we're going to look at opportunities that give the best return to our shareholders. That's what I'm supposed to do, give the best return to our shareholders. And so we're going to look at our business as it evolves on that basis, return to shareholders and profitability and margins in deployment of capital based on those factors.